0: The Buckeye Talk. It's a little bit of a special edition. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, along here with Doug Lay Our guest today is Gonzo, as he was known then, as Doug <laughs> still tried to call him today, I think. He wanted to call him Congressman Gonzo, but it's <laughs> Congressman Anthony Gonzalez, uh, the uh, representative for Ohio's 16th district, who has a bill now going before Congress. He'd be an interesting guy to talk all the time, but he has a bill going through Congress right now about name, image, and likeness. It's a, it's a bill along with a, uh, he's a Republican, it's a bill that is co-sponsored by a Democrat from Missouri named Emmanuel Cleaver, and they are trying to come up with a solution to the name, image, and likeness issue that has been kind of hanging around out there. So we wanted to bring him on to kind of talk through why it's happening right now, and and what needs to happen in order for us to not kind of encounter what could be sort of a wild west situation as it's developing here because there are several states, a handful of states, and it's a kind of a growing list, that have name, image, and likeness legislation for their own state that goes into effect on July first. Um Gene Smith and other entities, the NCAA I think itself, a lot of people have put forward that the federal government needs to have a solution here so that it isn't a state by state thing with a lot of discrepancies. But Doug, you've been following this issue for a long time. It feels like there is an urgency building here, partially because it's, kind of, I mean, we do this all the time, right? Like, how often do we put off writing something until we absolutely have to? It feels like Congress sometimes needs these deadlines out there to force them to act.
1: Oh, I mean, that's how anybody gets anything done. Right. I mean, when the negotiations over contracts and sports and that kind of thing, it's always like the deadline makes you act. But, but I'm sick, by the way. My daughter's had a summer cold for a week and I now have it too. So that's why I sound so much like a DJ. So I assume
0: it, was, I assume it was something with the Guinea pigs.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I hope there's not, <laughs> I hope there's not a disease jumping from Guinea pigs to humans and that I'm patient zero. <laughs> um, so it, he had an interesting take on this. It is, it's hard to I make, mean, we talk about this a lot, right? With the rules around whether teams were going to play during the pandemic or not, the whole thing college football is a regional sport that at times needs a national set of rules. And the NCAA is supposed to be the people who set national rules so that there's a somewhat level playing field. And of course, the NCAA is terrible at that. So that's why the federal government is even getting involved here. Anthony will get into that. But it's hard. Nathan, because in a lot of ways, some of the greatness of college football. College football is a much more regional sport than any other national sport in the country. Baseball's not a regional sport, the NFL's not a regional sport, the NBA is not a regional sport. College football is. You don't just talk about college football, you talk about Big Ten college football. People don't say, like, uh, you know what? I like the NFL, but I really only like AFC North football. I mean, yeah, you like the Browns, but you like the whole NFL. That's just college football is different. So it's, of course and as we've talked about in the podcast we did recently, everything about college sports is more complicated because it's college sports. So this is more complicated, but I do think it makes sense for there to be like a federal law on this and not have every state doing whatever it wants to do because it has the potential if you left it that way long-term, Nathan. If the long-term solution was states have different rules around name, image, and likeness, and the result is, players in all sports can make varying degrees of money because of the various rules that would affect the playing field. That would affect the competitive balance. And when you're trying to do anything nationally, competitive balance matters. And so I do think that's why it makes sense that they're trying to do something to say there's one set of rules for everybody.
0: Uh, Congressman Gonzalez's bill is one of several, like I said, that are either going through the Senate or the House. Um, people who have followed this long, they know the the Chris Murphy, Cory Booker initiatives have been out there. Richard Blumenthal is a, a senator who's been driving to get things done. Um, there are several, there are some all out Democrats, there.
1: All Democrats that you all just Democrats, mentioned, right. which is, makes interesting that Anthony Gonzalez, as a Republican, is very involved in this.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And this is a, a, a bipartisan bill. Like I said, he's a Republican. The co-sponsor of the bill is a am i saying that right like he's he's a the other person who is authoring the bill i suppose is a republican is a democrat and then they have several co-sponsors that also come from both sides of the aisle is i think the correct way to say that it's been a while since i did uh civics but <laughs> this ain't no
1: politics podcast sorry gonzo you're just you'll, talking to a bunch of two dingleberries who talk about football
0: you'll hear me call him anthony at the start of the podcast and i i immediately cringed i was like oh my god what a faux paw He's he's a congressman. I just called him by his first name, and then I changed that later. But I don't think he cares at all. But um, but like we said, it I thought he was very candid about a few points, as you'll hear. And one of those was, as I said, there's some other bills that are coming up July 1st to go into effect. There's another bill in Texas that I think has a September 1st uh, effective date, only if the federal government doesn't come up with a solution before that. I, he sounded – he was skeptical. He thinks there's no chance that something gets done by July 1st, and he's skeptical, what he says today, that something well, don't gets done. don't do it all away. By, don't, don't. I'm just saying. Well, but I think, it's, I think it's important for us. Well, we can come back and talk about it at the end, I suppose. But just that uh, – I, th- I, I guess I hadn't fully realized yet that we probably are going to enter some kind of period here of messiness because I, I don't know what – Yes, but he, says he,
1: thinks there, he thinks there's a different solution to that. Right. In the meantime, that's not right. federal government, but also is something more than every state for its own decision.
0: Right, but, it, but that may also fall to yeah again some bodies to make decisions that I don't know are always very not
1: some bodies. Decisions. God forbid the NCAA do its frickin job.
0: <laughs> well, well, the Big the Ten. Go- the Big but Ten also a year ago at this time had some issues, and it, it, but that's he, that was one of the local. things you mentioned that's too. That's still local. It is. I mean, yeah. like
1: like God forbid. It's not like it's like oh, if only college sports. Had an, a governing body. Then, we, oh, what, oh, oh, they, do, oh, they do have a governing body. It's just a, a completely ineffectual, and and once everybody else to do its job, oh, okay. Well, at least they're probably getting rid of the commissioner. Oh no, they just signed the commissioner to a lucrative extension of his job. Oh, what does he do?
0: What does the NCAA do? I hope something. Yeah, you start to draw a lot of parallels. It's like this this body that seems like a little bit out of touch. It seems like it um, is slow to act on major problems. It has a leader who is not very popular, but gets to keep their job anyway. <laughs> like I start to see a lot of parallels between the, the NCAA and uh, the way our country is run. Not Bureaucracy. Political. Bureaucracy. Um, but anyway, uh, we talked to Congressman Gonzalez for about a half hour. We also talked to him about Ohio State football and uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Brian Hartline and and some fun stuff. So
1: Marvin Harrison Jr., good story coming your way.
0: Yeah, some really fun stuff about Marvin Harrison Jr., who he knew at a very young age. So um, after the break, we'll get right to that conversation with Congressman Gonzalez. We're joined today on Buckeye Talk by someone I think you all know pretty well. He is... Uh, Congressman Anthony Gonzalez. He serves in the U.S. House of Representatives for Ohio's 16th Congressional District. Joining us from Washington this morning. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Um, I guess what would, we've already given people some background on on what the bill is that's going ahead on the name, image, and likeness situation, but why do you feel like your bill, uh, the bill that you're, I guess, co-sponsoring or or have co-written is the one that best addresses this situation?
2: So uh, right now, the debate in Congress is is sort of, you know, how far to go. Um, and what we've done with our bill is we've kept it specifically on the name, image, and likeness space. Uh, that's something that is broadly agreed upon across Congress, but across the country as well, that college athletes, it's time to, to expand into the, the name, image, and likeness space. Some are more enthusiastic than others. That's fine. Um, what a lot of the other bills do is they move far closer to a professional model, uh, which would be the end of college sports. So some bills have things like revenue shares where 50% of revenue has to go uh, to the players. So some have healthcare uh, mandates, covering healthcare issues for, for the rest of folks' lives. And, and that may sound good. Um, and, and look, to be honest, you, know, you, you want the institutions to go as far as they can on that. Um, but the more cost that you mandate into the system, the fewer overall opportunities there are. So what does that mean in practical terms? If you mandated healthcare for every college athlete for the rest of their lives, instantly you would see programs shut down across the board uh, because for a handful of reasons. One, the overwhelming majority of college sports don't make any money, they're cost centers. Um, But uh, also the majority of college programs uh, are already not making money. Um, and so, you know, you talk about HBCUs, for example, um, if you put this, these sorts of mandates on HBCUs, you'd have no more HBCU sports. Uh, and, and so our bill stays as narrow as we can. Let's get on NIL. Uh, that will keep the integrity of the college system in place. Uh, but it'll also make sure that there are ample opportunities for all athletes in all sports. And I think that's what's really important.
0: Your bill is one of, I think, several that are out there, um, either through Congress or, um, or through, the, through the House or through the Senate. Um, conservatives, I guess but you're a Republican, conservatives by and large have been in favor of smaller, less intrusive government. Why does the federal government need to be involved with this at all? Why is the NCA not incapable of sort of brokering a solution to this?
2: Well, you would hope that we wouldn't have had to get involved. But uh, what has happened is a handful of states all across the country have passed or are in the process of passing their own Im- name, image and likeness laws, and they're all different. So what that means effectively is if you're in Ohio, you're going to play by different rules than if you're in Florida versus Texas or Mississippi or wherever. Um, that's chaos, right? I think you know you, what you want is you want one national standard. By which every college athlete has to adhere to, uh, that'll protect the integrity of the system as a whole, and it'll make sure everybody's playing by the same rules. So, um, I, I, this was not something I wanted to get into at all, frankly. Um, but as soon as states started passing different laws, um, you quickly realize, wait a minute, this isn't going to work. Um, and so, you know, we we need we need one federal standard, uh, and and that'll put everybody on a level playing field.
1: Anthony, if if there is not that federal standard that gets passed. And as you mentioned, there are a bunch of states who are already have plans for state legislation to be enacted this summer, most of them in the South. Um, what will happen? What do you think will be the outcome of if there isn't a federal bill by the time these state laws start happening?
2: I think you'll see the NCAA put something out um, that will effectively nationalize a standard, um, but it, it won't. It still won't answer all the questions. Um, and, and let's say that they can agree on that. Um, we would still need, from a legal standpoint, we would still need one federal law. Um, now, I think that's going to take a while. I do not think we're going to get it done by July, which is when the first states uh, start to kick in. So my sense is you'll see the NCAA make some sort of announcement in the next few months um, that basically codifies and legalizes it across the country. Um, but, but we will still need to act to, to clean up some of the discrepancies across state lines.
0: Did you feel in your time as a student athlete, the the absence of something like this and how much of that has played into your motivation to try to solve the issue? Or I guess similarly, did your experiences, are they also informing um, the the ways that the bill also takes into the NCAA's interests or, or those schools' interests?
2: So, um, again, this is not something I plan on working on when I got to Congress, right? I have a, a whole bunch of other things that I work on that, that frankly um, are incredibly important for my district. Um, this was sort of brought on us as, as these states started going forward. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, what did I think about when I was in, in college? I, it never made sense to me why you couldn't do name, image, and likeness. Uh, college athletes are the only people in the country that I'm aware of. That can't do anything with their own name, image, and likeness. Even members of Congress can. Um, and so, you know, to to have this one restriction for this one subset of individuals, um, I didn't think made a lot of sense. And and the truth is, you know, look, I, I come from a you know upper middle class family, and and uh, we we did very well. I'm very lucky in that regard. But the majority of my teammates come from very difficult backgrounds, um, and the majority of my teammates who would have had a lot of marketing ability. Come from very difficult backgrounds, uh, and many of them don't go to the NFL, don't play in the NFL, and so um, you know by by restricting this, and you know looking up <clears throat> looking up in the stands and seeing, a, for example, a number ten Troy Smith jersey, you know all over Ohio Stadium, um, which is a great honor if you're a player. Uh, you do kind of wonder and say, is this fair? Does this really make sense that you know Troy can't get anything from that? Um, and it it never made. A bit of sense to me. And so I I think this is um, just sort of a a nice way of, of allowing athletes to make a little bit extra money. Um, The other thing I'll say, you know, people always think football, basketball, the high revenue sports. My wife was a college swimmer. Uh, She swam at Stanford, very expensive city, maybe the most expensive in the country. Um, And, you know, completely restricted from being able to do things like teach swim lessons or do a swim camp or something like that. Um, and so what happens for a lot of these athletes is they're not on full scholarship and they have the same financial pressures as every other athlete or every other student, except for now, they also have a sport that they probably do 20 to 40 hours a week. Um, and so there's there's all these financial pressures on them that they can't alleviate using their talents. Um, and so I think by allowing for something like as simple as teaching swim lessons, um, you know, you're going to have college athletes graduate with less debt, uh, less financial stress, uh, and, and they'll hopefully develop some uh, interesting skills along the way. Anthony,
1: you kind of just answered this with the way that you described the situation and talking about Troy. And I know, you know, you had a strong friendship with Troy. You didn't just catch passes from him at Ohio State like you were friends. That's such a stark example, right? Because we know how talented Troy was. He did not have a long NFL career. Do you, is he in your head a little bit when you think about this issue? Like, listen, like Troy Smith was an unbelievable player, did great things for Ohio State football and its fans, also made a boatload of money for Ohio State football, and, and he didn't get any of it. Like, is that like a real world example that you think about when you think about this issue?
2: Yeah, I think, I think about two issues, uh, two people, honestly. I think about Troy and, and people like Troy. Um, I think of Anderson Russell, who was a a, a good safety for Ohio State, had a bunch of injuries, never got to play in the NFL, Um, but, you know, probably could have done something uh, with name, image, and likeness while he was, he was still on campus. Um, But I also, honestly, I think of my wife. I think of all the student athletes across the country, and this is the bulk who are not on full scholarship, uh, who have to pay their way and are competing because they love the sport. um, And it's a good way to get into a school, but, uh, still have all these financial pressures. And, and so I'm, I'm thinking about how do we, how do we expand our right that, you know, maybe they're not going to make millions of dollars. That's fine. But, you know, if you can teach a couple swim classes a week and make, you know, 20 bucks an hour, 30 bucks an hour, whatever it is, um, in college, that's, that's very helpful. You know, that can get you through a weekend, um, pretty easily. And, and so, uh, I, I just think it's a, it's sort of a no brainer at this point. Um, And it opens it up for for everybody. The last point I'll make, I don't know what this group was, but I saw right around the NCAA basketball tournament this year, um, some group who studies uh, the marketing rights for athletes and celebrities put out a list of what they believe to be the top 10 most marketable uh, college basketball players. And seven of the top 10 were women. And the first one, I'll screw up, I think it's Paige Beckers, the uh, young lady at UConn. And it's because their social media following is so robust. And and apparently I'm I'm not on social media. Um, But I think that speaks to just how diverse the opportunity set is going to be. And so I really think it's going to be a huge benefit, uh, not just in the places where people think. um, Though it will certainly, for somebody like Troy, it would have been a great thing.
0: Your bill um, specifically addresses and says that athletes would not be considered employees of the university. And I think that's something that people who have been... Um, sympathetic to the NCA side of things have been pushing for. I think it's even something that people on the other side, the people who are more on the athlete's side of uh, the athletes advocates are okay with that. As long as it comes with the name, image and likeness and stuff um, from what, from my reading it, it also didn't really make a provision for things like collective bargaining or unified representation, things like that for the athletes and I think to some people that still seems like a system where the terms are kind of always dictated to the athletes. I know that you were an athlete. I know there's other people who have co-sponsored this bill, other Congress people who were also college athletes. So that interest I guess is represented there, but how, how do the voice of current and future athletes, how are they going to be involved in this process and kind of helping decide what format this will be as opposed
2: to something that's just sort of presented to them? Yeah. Well, you know, a couple things. Um, one, we do have a commission that's a part of our bill that's going to continue to study the issue and make recommendations back to Congress. Um, so if things are going haywire for, for whatever reason, um, you know, we would, we would have more opportunities to legislate in the space. I hope it doesn't happen, but it could. Uh, the other thing is, um, you know, they could have representatives, right? You could have agents, marketing representatives, whatever that is, uh, that should be looking out for their best interest. Um, and I think, you know, between the two of those, things. I think you're in a, a decent spot. You know, the the trick with the employment slash unionization model, right, is that ends college sports. Um, you know, you're no longer talking about amateur sports, you're talking about full professionalized sports. And again, that would kill all the other sports. And I, I actually have had multiple athletic directors at some pretty reputable schools that we would all know say, hey, look, if you go you know, full employment unionization. We're just done with sports. We've already talked about it. I mean, we're just not going to do it. That's not what we want. Um, And frankly, I I don't think it's the right thing for the athletes because what what folks forget is if I can hire you and you're an employee, that means I can fire you. And so if we're now in a world where we turn college sports into that employment model, you know, you go into – to use Troy as an example, you go into a Glenville, right. And you take Troy out of Glenville um, and and you bring him to Ohio state with all the promise and, you know, all the opportunity and the support. And, you know, after one year, year and a half, you say, Hey, this kid's not working. We're going to cut him and send him on his way. Um, What happens to that athlete? What happens to that kid? Uh, And I, I think that's, that's so counter to the college system um, that it, it, for me it's just a bridge too far. And for Frank, to your point, you mentioned I have a lot of other college athletes on my bill. Um, for those who played, uh, I think Cory Booker is the one exception to this. But for those who played sports who are in Congress, they they get that and they agree.
0: I just want to clarify because you said there's a, there's a commission that will follow this going forward. Will current at the time student athletes be involved in that process somehow i'm just thinking back to like last year around this time there was a congressional hearing about this and there were no current student athletes in that room there were some people there advocating on their behalf but they weren't really involved in that are are, are the actual athletes going to be able to have a kind of a direct voice in this
2: process yeah so i've i've spoken to numerous current athletes so as, as part of our process we basically went and spoke to all the different constituency groups. So we spoke to athletes, we spoke to administrators, we spoke to the conferences, um, spoke to uh, some agents, just to get a sense of how, how they all were processing it, spoke to the NFL. Um, and you know, the goal is to, to put a bill together that works uh, for everybody, that you know, protects the college system, but expands the right and gives something to the athlete that they've never had before that can be incredibly valuable. Um, and so that, that's what we've tried to do with our bill. Um, and you know, did we get it perfectly, or will we get it perfect? Probably not you know we're members of Congress we wouldn't get anything right um all the time but um but uh you know I, I think it is a a step in the right direction for sure, and it's better than the alternative, which is the state by state chaos. Anthony, I wanted to ask
1: you, this is not specific to the bill, but I think it hangs over everything in college sports. We just had another issue with this with what happened with Ohio State recently with the report they just put out. Are college athletes adults or college athletes kids or are they both at the same time are they neither it it seems to me like a lot of what we talk about with anything in college sports is the push and pull of that you lived it you're now working on it how do you view that
2: so they're both right and and there's differences in your locker room uh every you know, the, the locker room is going to have a cross-section of people who are at different maturity levels, different experience levels. Um, and, it, and that's actually the beauty of it. That's part of the fun for me was, you know, I came from St. Ignatius and, uh, in Cleveland and it came into that locker room and there were people from all over the country from every different income bracket, race, um, et cetera. I and mean, it was an amazing experience. Um, and frankly, I think I understand people better you know, across the country as a result of that. Um, I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything in the world. Um, having said that, you're always going to have some knuckleheads. Um, that's that's just, you, I don't care what group you're talking about. You grab 118 to 22-year-olds uh, and put them in an environment, high-pressure environment like that, you're going to get some bad behavior from time to time. I mean, that's just, you do your best as a coach and as an administrator to, build a support around them and sort of build a cocoon and, and find a way to, to make sure that they're getting the right lessons. Um, and, you know, by and large, they're doing an amazing job of, of doing just that. Um, but, you know, every now and then you're, you're going to see some things come up. It's just inevitable.
0: From your perspective, I guess, from the, the name engine likeness, bill the legislations that are out there what still needs to be ironed out this seems to be like one of the last uh, doug uses phrase the other day when we were talking though one of the last bipartisan issues like it seems like there's pretty strong support on both sides to do something here so where do you see is kind of like the, the end game as it comes because like you said july 1st some of these state laws are supposed to go into effect
2: yeah my hope is that we'll get something done uh, quickly and it'll stick on to name image and likeness um the you know this is typical of Congress. So. We agree on name, image and likeness for the most part. We disagree on a whole bunch of other things. So, you know, in the normal world, you would say, okay, let's do that thing we agree on. You know, we'll put that other thing onto the side and we'll work on that too. And, you know, maybe we can get somewhere. Not in Congress. Uh, in Congress, you take zero as opposed to 50% of what you want. And so um, what, what we're dealing with right now is uh, some of our colleagues uh, on the other side of the aisle, um, want to add some of these health care provisions and the employment model, the unionization, all those sorts of things. Um, again, I think that would destroy college sports. Uh, I don't think we would have college sports anymore if we went down that path. So I'm opposed to that. Uh, and I think most members of Congress are, frankly. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, again, this is sort of the frustration of, of this job is uh, nobody's willing to, to take half a loaf uh, until you absolutely have to. So I, I think um, my guess is, you know, sometime by the end of the year, We'll get to an agreement, um, and it'll have uh, everything on name image and likeness and one or two other things, but what those are you know still kind of remains to be seen.: you think by the end of the calendar year? I hope so. I hope um, I, I would hope that by the end of the calendar year we'll we'll get somewhere. The Senate is further along than the House. Uh, we have our bill in the House, uh, but they haven't had any hearings or anything like that. The Senate's actually done a good, good amount of work. They've done they It had a handful of hearings last Congress. They're doing some this Congress as well. Um, And they're actually in negotiations at the committee level. And that's really what you need. Um, Our bill is out there as a marker, hoping that the House, when they take up the issue, will use it as sort of the vehicle to to push the discussions forward.
0: But do you think there will be some sort of federal resolution to this by July 1st? Or do you think we're about to maybe, so we're going to enter kind
2: of a wild west for at least a few months? I'd be shocked if we had something by July 1st. I'd actually be surprised if we had something by December 1st. Um, so I, I'm hoping that we can, I mean, we're doing everything we can to push it, but, um, you know, until the the leaders of the committees decide they want to pick something up, it just doesn't go. Do you think in
1: that case that Ohio needs to do something on a state level on name, image and likeness as other specifically to Ohio state, if Ohio state's recruiting against teams in the sec and their states allow name, image and likeness and Ohio has enacted, is that a disadvantage for Ohio state in some way for at least a few
2: months? Um, it could be, I mean, but that's why I think what will happen is the incident A will step in or the big 10 will step in, you know, some, some entity is going to provide some clarity and make sure that, you know, the big 10 and the Ohio state football team and, and all the sports are playing on the same level playing field as the student athletes in Florida. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's going to let, uh, you know, the folks down in Florida start taking athletes because they can do name, image and likeness. I mean, somebody will fix that. So, um, I, I suspect that'll happen, uh, but again, it, it's um, it, it hasn't happened yet, and and I don't think we're going to fix it uh, in in time. So,
1: what
2: what Nathan had mentioned
1: before the characterization of like this is like a, a rare bipartisan issue, is do you agree with that characterization? Like there are people. This is, and I don't even know this. Does this issue break down along Republican and Democratic lines? Obviously, in the details, everything does. But is this truly something that people have lots of different views and it's not necessarily by party?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, the, the sides are for it for different reasons, um, somewhat. So, you know, on the, on the right and the Republican side, it's about economic freedom and letting, letting people, you know, have that liberty to go out and, and make money off their own name, image and likeness. And, and we believe in, the, in that individual freedom and liberty and, and want to see it expanded. Um, so that's, that's where you get a lot of conservatives. Uh, on the left, uh, what you get is a lot of uh, folks who see it as more of a civil rights issue, um, or or a worker safety issue, or worker protection issue, um, and that's that's not to say we don't both see it in those lenses too, but it's just which one resonates with the other the most, right? So on the on the right, you're gonna people are gonna gravitate towards that individual liberty argument. Um and yes, it's it's also civil rights and it's um, worker protection and those sorts of things. On the left, um, it's more about civil rights, worker protection, and, and a little bit on individual liberty. So um, so it's it's interesting that we all agree on it, just maybe for different reasons.
1: That sounds like maybe how politics sh- should work in a lot of ways, right? That you find an agreement from different angles and you all come to resolutions, but I think we understand that maybe this situation at the moment is a bit of a rarity in politics.
2: Like the problem with what you just said is you're applying logic and sound thinking <laughs> to a body that has neither. I'm going to impress know. <laughs> you. That's, that's my, general, my general take, so... I, I'm sure
0: it, this uh, we're straying a little bit for NIL here, but I'm sure that when you came out of or came into politics and, and came into the house, did you expect it to be more collaborative like it was when you were an athlete and everybody is kind of playing towards everybody on even on the same team is always kind of playing for one goal? You would hope. Has it been a different experience than you expected? Um,
2: you know, not really. I so I was expecting chaos, I was expecting. Um, the exact frustrations that you know we're having, honestly, I, I thought it would be a I didn't think it'd be this crazy. I mean, if you would have told me that in the when I showed up that within two and a half years uh, I would have experienced the longest government shutdown in American history, two impeachments, an insurrection, disputed election. I mean, if you had walked through all that, I would have said, yeah, there's no way like that in the next two years, that's crazy. Um, but um, you know, we've unfortunately we have devolved into that. Um, I will say on a more optimistic note um i came here to be a problem solver to be some i'm conservative republican i don't shy away from that been that way my whole life um but you know i come to this with a mindset of trying to find agreement and common ground based primarily on my experiences in the locker room and knowing you know what it's like to be in an environment where folks don't feel the same way about all these issues but and you find a way to come together and move towards a common goal and a common objective and you can attain some incredible successes, life-changing successes, um, if you're able to do that. And so, I come to this job with that mindset, um, and I have found ways to be effective. I, I passed more bills than any freshman Republican in all of Congress last cycle, um, and, and the reason was because I just, everything I do, I try to do bipartisan, I do it from the ground up, put in the work, try to keep my name out of the headlines. Um, and, and just be a workhorse. Uh, and those are things that I learned. Like I said, I learned that at Ohio state, I learned it in the NFL. Um, and, and there are enough people here doing that, that, you know, you can get some things through. Um, I wish we had, I wish all members had that aspect or had that mentality. Uh, unfortunately there are others who kind of have the opposite mentality, which is like this scorched earth, my way or the highway, a hundred percent or zero sort of mentality. Um, I find that to be less productive and most people I know, think it sets the country back. So, um, you know, I, I choose to do it a different way.
1: So Anthony, when you, when you are, have this view on, on why you're there and how you go about your business, um, when you have your state party in Ohio vote to censor you, what, what effect, if any, does that have on you? How does, does that, how does that affect how you go about your
2: business and your job? It doesn't. I mean, look, like I'm trying to enact legislation that's going to make our community and our country better and stronger. Like when I'm in this job, I'm thinking about how do we make ourselves more competitive against China? How do I make sure that we have better jobs, more jobs in Northeast Ohio? How do I make sure that we're safer, that we have a a, a strong defense, that our constitutional structure is in order, uh, that we protect the homeland, we protect our troops, we take care of our veterans? Those things are so much more important than any censure vote or anything that any anybody is going to lob at me from a criticism standpoint. Um, so I keep my head down. I go to work. I work hard. And I try to deliver for my district and everything else is just noise. Uh, and that's maybe that's from football too. Uh, Cause you, you know, you're, you're used to hearing the chatter from the outside. Um, but, but I stay focused on my constituents. I stay focused on my legislation. Uh, and, and obviously uh, stay focused on my job. So that's, that's what I've always done. That's what I'll always do. Um, there'll be an election soon. Everybody gets to have their voice. That's the beauty of democracy, and uh, we'll see where it goes. I
0: hate to transition to something maybe a little more frivolous. I'm just curious how much you get to still watch Ohio State football, and um, your thoughts on Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who are poised
2: to have you know a pretty incredible season as receivers. Yeah, the, the receiver room is amazing, uh, and you know my old uh, my old buddy Brian Hartline is probably he's got to be the top recruiter in the country. I mean, look at that room. Um, and you know, the, so I'm excited for those two for, uh, for the receiver room in general, I'll tell you what's just the most interesting for me is we got Marvin Harrison jr. And I mean, he was, I met him when he was like five. Yeah. (laughs) This makes me feel like I'm so old, but, um, you know, he was running around our indoor facility with the Colts, uh, and, you know, we'd ask Marv, Hey, how's your son? He's like, Oh, he's good. He's going to be a good player. And he's like, you know, he's five. It's like, you know, who knows? Um, and, and sure enough, he's one of the best receivers in the country. Uh, really just so cool. Um, and, uh, I'll tell you a quick story, which sort of funny. I was doing a fundraiser, uh, next to the varsity club and, you know, some, I'm standing waiting for my Uber or whatever, and a car pulls over, pulls off to the side somebody gets out and starts screaming my name and signaling me over. And I'm like, who the heck is that? You know, this was like two years ago. I, I, I couldn't tell. Uh, I was far enough away. And then finally, I was like, wait a minute, that's Marvin. And so I, I walk across, I hadn't seen Marvin Harrison, you know, since I left the NFL basically. Um, and it was when his son was on his official visit. And so we had a nice, oh, wow. nice little exchange. Um, and uh, I told him, I Hey, if you come here, if you need anything, just give me a call. And, um, you know, we've kept in touch, not, Junior, I don't talk to Junior, but Marvin and I now text a lot more uh, about how, how he's doing. So that's been fun. Anthony, do you ever consider
1: the alternate universe where the former Ohio State receiver from Northeast Ohio, who is Ohio State's current receivers coach, is not brian Hartline but is Anthony Gonzalez? Do I think of the world where I'm a college coach? Yeah, where you're. Hey, if Hartline can do it, man. Get Gazzo in there coaching these guys.
2: No. <laughs> Heartline is better suited for that. Um, no. You know, co- look, coaching seems like a great, a great job. And obviously, I love the game and, and all that. But, um, no, I'm, I'm going to let them hang, uh, handle that. Uh, I, I'll tell you this, honestly. Um, I was just telling somebody this the other day. The thing about this job that I love the most and that, you know, keeps me excited is more than anything I've ever done professionally, this has the most exciting objective, which is to make our country stronger, to move our country in a better direction, to make sure that when I leave this earth, that the America that I pass to my kids is better than the one that I got. Um, that's an amazing opportunity and an incredible honor that I have. And I take it very seriously and I love it. Um, the only thing that is comparably cool, um, but, but still not even on par, is getting to wake up every day and trying to win a Super Bowl or trying to win a national championship um, where it's this all-encompassing thing and, and um, you do it with great teammates and you build chemistry and you learn so much uh, that has nothing to do with the game but more about being a teammate. Uh, you know, th- those are two uh, wonderful opportunities I've had the, the opportunity or the experience to go get, um, but I like this one better. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, uh, not going to go into the coaching, coaching world, but uh, I love watching Heartline and, uh, and the Buckeyes.
1: Anthony, you know, the headline on this podcast now is, Gonzalez says beating China more
2: important than beating Michigan. <laughs> it's so true. It is, It's true. You yeah. know, incidentally, this is sort of... So whenever I would get nervous, like before a game, and you get the butterflies going and, uh, and you get a little anxious, the way I would calm myself down is I would say, you know, there's a billion people in China who probably don't care what's happening here right now. <laughs> and that would be... <laughs> That would be how I would kind of like, so just relax. It's going to be fine. Um, the world's not going to end no matter what. Uh, and that's, that's how I would, I would kind of center myself. Um, but now I, now I think about China in a different context. Did, did you see, when you looked at Brian Harline back then, did
0: you see that's a football coach someday? Like this was the path you saw for him?
2: Not necessarily, but I think it's very obvious when he, when he said, I'm, I'm going to get into coaching. Um, I don't know what I told him exactly, but I'm sure it was something like, oh, you're going to be great at that. I mean, so he's got a ton of passion. He has a ton of passion for the game. Um, he's very smart. He knows the position. I mean, as a receiver, as a college receiver, if I could go play for a guy like that who had an NFL career and played with some of the best wide receivers in the league, um, who's that diligent and passionate about what he does, I would be all over it. I mean, that's such an asset as a college player. Because you want to know – that the guy who's telling you how to do your job can help you get to the next level. Um, that's one of the things that, that you want, and Brian can do that. Uh, and then look, like if he wouldn't, if he wouldn't have been a college football coach, he would have been a heck of a salesperson. I mean, like, the guy's got tons of personality. Um, and, and so the fact that he's a great recruiter uh, is the least surprising thing in the world to me.
0: Congressman Anthony Gonzalez from Ohio's 16th district. We appreciate your time. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the line. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're back on Buckeye Talk. Thanks again to Congressman Anthony Gonzalez for joining us. Doug, what was maybe, I guess, you thought, like maybe the most enlightening thing that you heard from him today or or the thing that's going to kind of govern this here in the next couple months? I don't know.
1: I just think it's crazy (laughs) that – a guy I covered as a football player is in Congress. That's the main thing I'm, I'm worried about. Because it's like when he was a college football player, he kind of acted like a congressman, right? I mean, he was always like he felt like this guy's not 21. You know, you just run across those guys when you yeah. cover. I mean, there's a lot of guys who've been like that who are just like mature beyond their years. But now that he's a congressman he felt to me like a college football player. It's like, this guy's not a congressman. He's just a guy.
0: You, you like, see that. You do see that a little bit in there, yeah. Like, it's funny. It's like he was, when he was young,
1: he felt old. And now that he's old, he feels young. And it's like, because he feels to me like the exact same person, as I said to him, in part because he was bald in college. So it's like he looked, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, so like it's just, it's just really funny and crazy. And I think it's interesting. I mean, all Ohio State fans, you know, He's by far not the only athlete to ever go into a politics, but man, it's just hard for me. And I'd said it to him before we started the pod. Again, it's like the, the, the first time I ever got on the front page of the Cleveland Plain Dealer was because I wrote a story about Anthony Gonzalez sleeping in a hyperbaric tent at, at football camp when they stayed at uh, in that hotel down the, down the street for the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And he said, that's still something that gets brought up to him, that people say, are you the guy that slept in the tent? <laughs> And it's like, that's Gonzo. It's like, I don't, we like went in, we had a photographer, like we got permission for the photographer to come in and like take a picture of him in the tent on the bed. It was awesome. I don't know so, that
0: story. That, that predates me. So yeah, I, I, I might Steven have to go find was, that.
1: Steven wasn't even alive. Yeah, it's like that he was just so into um, training and that kind of thing that like these sort of like oxygen rich environments that people put themselves in to like rejuvenate their body. Like he got a tent like that and put it on his bed in the, in the hotel during august football camp and slept in that because like as a college athlete he was so interested in like what can i do like to make make myself the best and it's like there's not a lot of college athletes that think that way and now look where it is so um so he's just gonzo right i mean like it's just his dad played at michigan his dad was les miles roommate at michigan like he's just this everybody knows the anthony gonzalez story and now he's a congressman
0: but I think he also has the perspective of knowing that he could go afford, his family could go afford to just oh. get a hyperbaric tent on a on a whim, take a flyer on it. And there's other guys who struggle to pay for day to day stuff. So I think that has sure. informed his his career a little bit. You asked him half the question that I I'd, I thought you were about to ask him at one point, which was, have you considered an alternate reality where your Ohio State's receivers coach and Brian Hartline is the U.S. representative? for the 16th district of Ohio. I thought that was where you were going to finish that question.
1: Brian Hartline is a businessman. Oh, yeah. So, so, you know, businessmen go into Congress. I don't know how cut out Hartline's a little intense, like yeah. the, the intensity that makes him a good football coach. I don't know how that works in the halls of Congress, but maybe we'll, we can ask Hartline. I asked that half to Gonzalez. So next time we see Hartline, I'll ask Hartline about whether you thought about running for office.
0: I feel like you get to run your life with a little bit more authority as a football coach than you do as a congressman there's still so much uh compromise and squabbling that goes on as a congressman whereas a football coach you get to walk in and say like this is how we're doing it and tough if you don't like it yeah yeah there's got to be some appeal to that
1: yeah no just i mean it's just crazy it's just crazy so um and he's in as we we you know it's a sports podcast but i mean he's in the thick of it i mean everybody knows he's in the in the thick of uh of everything happening politically in the country right now. Uh, And he's the guy who made the helicopter catch against
0: Michigan. That's quite a life. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Buckeye Talk. We will be back with you tomorrow with the the usual big Wednesday episode. But until then, I'm Nathan Baird. He's Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye Talk.